always hear heels down, right, Camry? Toes to the sky is what I always used to say. I'm like, I want to go back to all of my lesson people and be like, guys, I, I led you astray. <laughs> let me refix, let me fix some of what I taught you here. <laughs> yeah. But really what you want are flat heels, like level heels. And with maybe if they have any kind of a downward trend, it's only enough that they're pointing at the hocks of your horse. Because that's going to leave you balanced. It's going to allow your musculature to actually work. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Hello, Camry. Hello. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. Other than the thunderstorm that's rocking my house, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I love thunderstorms, other than it affected your riding time, which is always sad. But I do love lightning. It's so pretty. It is fun to watch until it's like right over the top of you. And then it's just (laughs) scary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're out riding a horse and then all of a sudden... And you're like, okay, and we're getting off. <laughs> right? Yep. No, rainstorms are something I'm like, ah, oh, I can push through a rainstorm. We'll make it work. But lightning, no. I don't do lightning outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't want to be in a flat arena being the, the tallest thing out there. <laughs> or up in the mountains either. (laughs) Yep. Well, not to mention if that lightning gets really loud and if you get those big cracks, um, that's, that's very intense. (laughs) You might have a runaway horse. (laughs) My horses handle thunder pretty well, unless it's one of those big ones, you Mm -hmm. know, that just like rocks the entire County. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm trying to even think if I've ever ridden sandy in a thunderstorm and i don't think i have so i don't know how she'd react (laughs) yeah we have mountains that go around both sides and so a lot of times the storms will come across the one mountain pass and then it'll split and follow Mm. the mountains that go around us so it'll kind of skip us and then and follow the mountains and so i'll ride if the thunderstorm is over on the mountain and it's not close enough for me to feel concerned about it um but yeah, so they, my horses get used to the thunder from that distance, <laughs> but yeah, I don't ride them if it, if it gets too close. So. Yeah. Well, that's how this one this morning was. I walked outside and it's just where, where I'm at, you can look down and you can see town really well. And so town was just pitch black and then I'm <laughs> like all sunny and the birds are singing on my end and I'm like, okay. But you know, of course the wind's blowing my direction and I'm like, all right, well, we'll just, we'll see. I'll put her quarter sheet on. It'll be fine. And then like huge fork lightning came down and struck the ground. And I'm like, and never mind. (laughs) I choose life. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. Thanks for being flexible. So I can go this afternoon when the storm is hopefully done. (laughs) Yay. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for you. So it'll be good. I will say training for these endurance rides have been very eye-opening for me because mm. <laughs> it's just, it's just like training myself. You know, I very rarely feel motivated to go to the gym. Like it is just, 
uh, especially the last month, it has been like, I've been dragging myself to the gym. It's been hard to go because I've got so much going on. And especially for me to go to the gym, since the gym is so far away, it's just a huge commitment. And so it has been really hard to, to make myself go. And, and then when I go there, I haven't felt like I'm progressing as well as I'm used to seeing myself progress, which is also frustrating. Um, but it's this year just doing that. And then also doing my, my riding with my horses. I've noticed the same thing with my riding is it's like, ah, but I don't really want to ride today. You know, I've got so many other things going on, but having that motivation of like, yeah, except I want my horse to be in the best shape possible for these rides going forward has been helpful, but I've noticed the similarities between the two where, yeah, I'm not motivated to do them, but I'm always very glad that I did do them at the end. You know, like, do I feel amazing every single time at the end? No, (laughs) but I'm always very grateful and very proud of myself that even though I'm stressed or even though I'm tired, even though I've got a lot going on, I still showed up and did those things has been really just cool to see and cool to see my own personal growth through that. And it's something I've been talking to a lot of clients about this last couple of weeks is they've all hit that point, especially my long-term clients who've been with me for a few years have definitely started hitting that point where it's like, oh, like it's not that fun anymore. I'm like, no, it's not meant to be fun all the time. That's, I wish it was. Cause if it was, I mean, no one would never not work out. Right. But yeah. I'm like, you guys are at that point where do you want to be somebody who quits just because it's not fun anymore? Do you want to be somebody who quits just because you're a little stressed out right now? Is that really the person you want to be? Or do you want to be somebody who, even though it's not the funnest thing, even though you're a little stressed out, you still show up and you still do the thing. And when you reframe it that way, it's pretty awesome. (laughs) And it's pretty awesome to see just the growth that you can have. So a couple of little things I've just been thinking about this week (laughs) yeah well and a lot of times what I like to try and tell myself um which I had mentioned to you is you won't regret doing it you might regret not doing it and so if you're going to bed at night you're sitting there going oh man really should taken the time to do that today but you know you're not going to sit in bed at the end of the day and be like man I really wish I wouldn't have worked out you know, like you're, you're not going to regret that. Um, so that's a kind of just a mental thing that I have to put into my head sometimes of like, yeah, I may not want to do it, but I'm not going to regret doing it. I'm going to be glad I did it. <laughs> so no, hundred percent. And using that when you're riding your horses too. Cause like I said, I've, I've really had to lean into that same mental processes with conditioning lately. Cause I'm like, I love it. It's way fun, but it is hard to find the balance lately. And I was talking to you about that yesterday where I'm like, I, I am struggling a little bit finding the balance between my training sessions, my business, my horses and my family life and seeing if I can make it all work. And it has been a struggle, but it's also going to be something that's going to teach me a lot about myself. And it already has, it's taught me a ton about myself and a ton about my horses and, and a lot about who I really want to be and what are really my priorities and what am I willing to sacrifice and what am I not? And it's been a good learning experience, but it has, it's not been easy. It's definitely, it's definitely been hard, but that's how you grow, I guess. Like, at least that's what I keep telling myself. 
you know, but no, it's true. I only grow when I do things that are hard and that are really tough. Like this week I did my first ever longish actual runners who listen to this are going to laugh at me, but to me, it was a big, (laughs) it was a big accomplishment. Um, but I've been upping my cardio to get ready for this hundred mile race I have next weekend, which gosh, can't wait next weekend. So those of you who are listening to this podcast, I think it comes out probably the week that I'm doing my hundred mile race. Anyways, my hundred mile race is the end of May. Um, <clears throat> but I've been upping up my cardio a little bit just to make sure that aerobically I'm in a pretty good place. Cause I don't focus too much on cardio. Um, I feel like it's a very, I don't know what the right word Camry is, but like overrated. Yes. That's the right <laughs> word. It's a very overrated thing. And that's something I'm constantly telling my clients too. I mean, you do need cardio and things, but you do get a lot if your programming is programmed correctly. And this has really taught me that um, because I have to get ready for all of these all year. All I've done is lift three times a week and then I get 10,000 steps a day at least. That's all I've done up until two weeks ago when I'm like, okay, I probably should up my aerobic conditioning just a little bit for this hundred. And one thing that just has blown my mind, I haven't run since last summer. So it's been over a year since I've run last. And I went out, ran four miles and I'm like, yeah, I don't feel challenged at all. I'm like, I feel like I could run six or seven. Like I just, which was really cool to see. So then I ran six miles longest I've ever run in one go. Cause I've just never even wanted to run <laughs> that far. It's never been like something that has been on my list. So my coach pushed me to do do it this week. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not, like, I don't really want to run six miles. Like that's never been something that's been on my bucket list, you know? Um, but I went out and did it and it was like the most motivating thing. Cause like I finished the six miles. I felt great. I'm not sore. I like aerobically it's like, yeah, I could probably do like another couple of miles and it would be fine. And it just is so cool to see that what I've been doing is working right? Like what I've been putting my time and effort into has been enough and it has turned it. So I'm, I'm literally in the best shape of my life with three lifting days a week and steps, you know, it's just, it's way cool. Now, yeah, you know, like like, knowing that you don't have to live at the gym to get that kind of progress, you know? No, exactly. And cardio is important guys. (laughs) So I don't want to say it's not, but I do think it is overrated. You don't need to run every day. You don't need to kill yourself every day. Making sure you get like walking is one of the most underrated things in my opinion, making sure you get like a good step count in, and that's going to be good for stress relief. It's going to be good for longevity. It's going to be good for hormones and, and metabolic health and everything. So Anyways, that's not at all to do with what we're talking about today. Apparently, I needed to talk to you more, Camry. So <laughs> it's just cool. All the things yeah, are cool. <laughs> that's way cool. I love it. I love it. So do we want to dive into the topic? Yes. I, do we have a topic? I feel like we have five <laughs> topics. <laughs> Which one do you want to go over first? Well, one we've kind of been talking about, me and you, um, outside of the podcast, is a lot of this 
you know, heels down myths and, and writer biomechanics. Um, so yeah, let's kind of tell me, cause you've been reading, I can't remember the name of the book, but it's a writer biomechanics book. Um, is it horse and rider or just rider? Just rider. And that's just really rider. the name is rider biomechanics. I think it's yeah. Mary, Mary something. We'll link to it. <laughs> yeah. It's a really, really, really good read guys. I'm in love with it. Um, but yeah, so I've been reading this because part of what I do in my coaching is coach writers. And I want to make sure that as I'm coaching writers, I'm also looking at how they ride and helping them ride most efficiently, as well as look at their training and make sure that their training is really going to be beneficial for their riding as well. So biomechanics is something that I just find fascinating. And I am working on, on like, I would love to go back to school and like, get my biomechanics degree. I just think it's like the most interesting thing, especially because it just, it's so relatable to the rider and the horse. Um, so anyways, reading this book has been really eye-opening for me um, as a rider and a trainer and a fitness instructor on how the person's body is affected by the horse's body and, and vice versa. Um, so some of the biggest things that I have learned from not just this book, but also some other research I've been doing is where your heels should be. Cause we always hear heels down, right? Camry toes to the sky is what I always used to say. I'm like, I want to go back to all of my lesson people and be like, guys, I, I led you astray. <laughs> let me refix. Let me fix some of what I taught you here. <laughs> yeah. I feel the same way. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, I furthered this uh, myth of driving your heels into the dirt. I mean, just really pushing them down. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause you do, I think too, it's hard because when you work with beginners, you often get their toes pointing down towards the ground, you know, and their heels up. And so you do want to like counterbalance that. And so you do that by, by saying those things, but really what you want are flat heels, like level heels. And with maybe if they have any kind of a downward trend, it's only enough that they're pointing at the hocks of your horse, because that's going to leave you balance. It's going to allow your musculature to actually work. And one thing I love to use to describe it is that each of your joints are springs. And so if you think about taking a spring and you stretch it as much as you can, and you hold it there, is it going to be able to be cushiony like when it needs to be, right? If it's stretched to its max and not allowed to move, it's not, right? You're not, it's not going to be able to shock absorb any of any of the movements that's going on. And that's when you end up getting getting your butt out of the saddle and, and your other issues that we try to fix by, oh, well, let's strengthen your core. And it's like, well, actually, let's just fix your fix your leg first. Like let's start at the bottom and work our way up because I feel like the core is also a very overrated thing when it comes to writing. Like, yes, you need to have a strong core, but like, let's make sure your base, like your, where your feet are, where your legs are, are good before we just start doing crunches. Cause let's be honest too. Crunches are not something I ever really implement for my riders that crunches are not going to actually help my riders stay better in the saddle, but that's what everyone thinks they need to do is more crunches. Let's get that six pack. It's like, oh, that's actually not going to be beneficial or the most beneficial thing for you here. So 
yeah. What else do you want to add? Because this was something too, when you worked with me, that that was one of the first things we started working together was your riding seat and, and working on your heels. Um, what were your thoughts when I first presented that to you? I'm very curious. Um, just having that realization, like the whole spring idea definitely made so much sense to me. Um, so you had sent me several videos to watch, um, and just realizing how much I had taken out my shock absorption in my lower body. And I've ridden enough that I am able to still have a decent seat in spite of that, but it wasn't because I had heels down that I had a good seat. It was in spite of, (laughs) and I still had a lot of brace in my lower legs. So even though my upper body was still decent, I mean, not perfect, but decent, my lower body, I would drive my heels down so much that when I would lope, my feet would be way too far forward because I was pushing so hard down into the stirrups Mm -hmm. that when they couldn't go down anymore, they went forward. Um, and so, yeah, it was just interesting to see and, and to just evaluate myself versus evaluating horses, because I feel like most of the time when I video myself, I'm watching the horse for things. I'm looking, I'm looking at the horse. I'm not looking at me as much. Um, and yeah, just realizing that like, oh, that's, that's the thing I need to fix. Um, and then realizing that it's, it, I mean, I have been told by almost every instructor I've ever had that my heels need to be in the dirt. I mean, they just need to be down to the point of like a 45 degree angle from heel to toe, you know, (laughs) and and it's just crazy how once you let go of that and you imagine your ankles as springs and allow your heels to kind of move down and up with the movement of your horse. Oh my gosh. You, it feels so much more like floating than when you're, resting so hard down into your stirrups so it's been something fun to play with but it definitely like the first several weeks I felt like I was losing my stirrups all the time and so trying to find the balance of okay take the keep weight in my stirrups without having pressure in the stirrups it was yeah it it was definitely a learning experience and then I had to play with stirrup length as well um so I had to lengthen my stirrups which it's so funny how even a half hole in western stirrups can feel like a mile when you lengthen your stirrups it's like oh my gosh um but yeah it's it's really really rewarding but if you do decide to try this and you know lengthen your stirrups and and try and change what you're doing with your feet give yourself some grace guys because it's gonna feel weird for a couple of weeks at least. Um, because like for me, I have gosh, what, 15 years of doing it the wrong way to recondition. <laughs> so all of my muscles and all that muscle memory I've set up for the last 15 years is, yeah, it's a very conscious thing that I have to really <laughs> try to reshape. So right. Well, and we'll get into exactly what that needs to look like too here in just a second. Um, but I was too, if you don't mind sharing, Camry, because I know too, when we first started talking about it, you had some resistance there where you're like, yeah, but I'm a cold starter. So this is where my stirrups need to be. This is where my heels need to be because I'm a cold starter. So has that changed for you? Like your mindset around that, has that changed for you? And if it has, you mind sharing with people? Yeah. So 
being a cult starter, um, especially when I first started out, I had a lot of iffy horses, <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying that. Um, and a lot of bolting, a lot of bucking, a lot of things like that. And mm. that was more in the beginning. And I've gotten a lot better now where I, there's not near as much of that, but you still occasionally, you know, horses are horses and there maybe was something that you didn't get as thorough as you should have. And so you get things like that happening. Um, and then also with the size of cults as well, I get a lot of cow horses, which are bred to be petite. So a lot of quarter horses that are, that are small, um, like I just had the, this horse that she was 13, three hands. Um, so not very big. And then they're narrow. You know, if I get the, the two-year-olds, they're, they're not, uh, big and bulky yet. So a lot of just having that smaller body size and having my legs go lower on such a small and narrow body, I felt the need to have my stirrups shorter for that reason, but also for, like I said, that like feeling like I can really put some weight into my stirrups so that I don't come out of the saddle. Um, and my husband has always had an amazing seat so he could sit through any bucking, any, anything. Um, and I am not as sticky as he is. Like I can sit through a decent buck, but you know, if it gets a little bit too Western, you know, I'm, I come off. <laughs> and now it actually has me realizing that most likely that was because I was bracing so hard with my feet that I couldn't, there was no way I was going to stay on. There was no give there. So it was going to, that movement had to go somewhere. So it threw me off the saddle. And, you know, my husband talks about if a horse starts bucking, he sucks his thighs up into the pummel. So he doesn't even put weight in his stirrups when a horse starts bucking, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so it's just interesting because my first instinct is just, you know, dig further down with my feet, but that probably was more of a culprit of why I wasn't as sticky in the saddle with some of the more rank ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you just think about taking a stick, mm -hmm. you know, and moving it up and down really, really hard on something, it doesn't, it doesn't bend. It doesn't have that give and it's going mm -hmm. to get off balance. It's going to yeah. fly off of whatever's moving it. Right. But then if you take a string you do the same mm -hmm. thing, what happens? Like the string doesn't go anywhere. It just, it yep. just moves with it. It just right? moves and gives. Yep. yep. And so, um, these last few months, about six months now, um, <clears throat> I've had my stirrups a little bit longer and I've been working on not driving my heels down. And like I said, having weight, but not pressure in the stirrups. And even in first rides, I'm able to feel better because I'm not bracing. And there's nothing for me to brace against because of the length of my stirrups, because they're not so short that I'm, that my legs have to go somewhere. So they push down. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like I've found that sweet spot there, but yeah, it's, it's interesting kind of breaking that, that mindset, almost like a self-preservation mode of feeling like I need short stirrups, <laughs> right? Like it was, it was that thing that I'm like, no, I need that. Like <laughs> these, these, these horses are little. And so, you know, when I try and wrap around their body, my, my legs have to wrap, you know, around these horses because they're so, some of them, but it's been so much better since I use much more of my thigh um, and much less of my calf for grip there. And yeah, it's, it's definitely been good to reframe that, <laughs> change the, uh, the, uh, I don't know what to call it that, like I said, that self-preservation of like, no, that's, 
<laughs> that's my protection. I'm like, no, actually, that's probably what's caused my problems. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I love that perspective, too, because I know there's going to be a lot of people who listen to this and go, you know, what you did. Well, that works fine for your fancy horse, but I've got this this horse over here. And, and really, it's just it's not about um it's not about like how hard can you push into the saddle? It's can you stay in the saddle? Because when you think about pushing your feet down, like Camry's talking about down and forward, what we noticed in her riding specifically was that pushed her up and back. You know, you rode a lot on, on your cantle um, of the saddle, which also, if you think about that probably affected your horses in some way or another as well. Um, so it's just kind of thinking about all of the aspects of it, which again, I find so fascinating. And it's something that we also saw in my writing as well, where, and here's kind of what I want to talk about, because Camry has kind of talked about the different steps that she's used. So we will explain like a little bit further what that needs to look like as far as like what lowering your stirrups look like, what two short stirrups look like. Um, but just to give you an idea of what my legs looked like, because I didn't have quite the quite as much of a downward heel as Camry. Um, like Camry just, you know, said that hers was about a 45 degree. I would say mine was closer to being straight more naturally, but I still pushed into the stirrups enough that my legs would come forward and like towards the horse's shoulder versus being underneath me. So something I was working really hard on was trying to have that straight line between my head, my shoulders, my hips, and my ankles. And I would have that straight line up until my ankles, right? And then my ankles would be a good six inches in front of that straight line when I was looking at my riding and it was really frustrating for me. And I was doing the same thing where I was pushing my butt up and back and onto the cantle versus being in the middle of my saddle where I should be. So for the longest time, Camry and I were going back and forth on stirrup lengths. Like, oh, wait, let's try to lower our stirrups, lower our stirrups, lower our stirrups. So this is something I've actually changed my mind on in the last couple of weeks. Um, so doing a little bit more research, reading through more biomechanics books and things, I have found your length of stirrup, really, if you take a look at you, you want your thigh to be at about a 45 degree angle. So your knees should be, should be about, so they're pointing from your hip to your knee. It should be pointing through the middle of your horse's knee, like front knee. If it's doing that, you're probably pretty good as far as length. Now, instead of like standing up and trying to move your whole leg back, to get your foot underneath you. The best thing to actually do is think about kneeling down. And when you do that, that naturally brings that lower leg back and it puts you deeper into the saddle and actually helps you put more weight on your thighs. Because when you are riding, you should be at an 80% of your weight should be on your thighs, at least. Not in your stirrup. So this is something I... Oh, go ahead, Camry. So... I was always told you should have 60% of your weight in your stirrups. Really? 50, yep. 50 wow. to 60%. Yep. Was what I was always told. Again, like I am fighting through a lot of these things that my coaches taught me for years of, you know, you should have 50 to 60% of your weight in your stirrups and then your heels should be driving down. And it's just, yeah, it's so interesting to me hearing this stuff now that I'm like 80%. Huh. <laughs> But it like it it works. Like I said, I ride much more in my thigh now mm -hmm. versus that lower leg. Like I, I definitely use the lower leg. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, there's definitely a lot more to 
the upper leg, that, that thigh. So anyway, I just oh, had yeah, to like state sure. that because I'm not sure, you know, maybe I'm not, maybe other listeners have that perspective and I'm not the only one that ever got taught that, but yeah, I was always told 50 to 60%. So myth busted. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting to me because I definitely come more from thighs, 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 like everything should be in your thighs. Um, to the point there was a time that I would never use my stirrups. Like there would be like zero pressure in the stirrups because I'd have so much pressure in my thighs. Um, so I'm actually doing the opposite where I'm trying to balance out and have a little bit of pressure in my stirrups. And what I actually ended up doing by doing that, I accidentally counterbalanced myself and I went to where I had probably 90% pressure in my stirrups, you know, where I just, I was pushing way too hard in them. Um, so it's been interesting to kind of go back and forth. And like Camry said, guys, it's a messy business trying to fix all this stuff. Be patient with yourself. You will feel like, like a freaking rag doll for the first probably month. <laughs> and it's really frustrating because it's like, well, I, I feel like I'm a pretty writer when I do it this other way. So it can be really easy to be like, I'll just switch and do it this other way. But if you stick with it, you're going to be 10 times better at the end of it. So just stick with it guys. Um, but yeah, so the 80 per, or 80%, and that's like, at least the amount of pressure that should be in your thighs. Right. And another good visual that I have loved is with your feet in your stirrups, you should picture like having a kid's fingers underneath, underneath your boot, between your stirrup and your boot. You don't want to squish those kids' fingers. That's how much pressure should be in there. So you want to, you want enough pressure that, that you can fill the kid's fingers, but not so much pressure that you're going to squish them. Right. And Cameron, you had a good analogy too that helped with you. Do you want to share yours as well? Yeah. I was like, don't squish the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> don't get all that gooeyness on your stirrups. Yeah. Imagine you've got like beetles that are underneath and you're like, oh, if I, if I step any harder, I'm going to squish the bugs and get guts all over. <laughs> There you go. Or just like picture those stink beetles, you know, you don't, you don't want to get that stink all over you. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Whatever works for you to keep that mentality there of not too much pressure. <laughs> nope, for sure. And, and really guys, like, I feel like almost out of all of these, the biggest life-changing thing for me was kneel. Don't move your whole leg and try to hold it. Just kneel and your leg is going to fall into place. Like, Oh my gosh, just go out and try this right now. Report back because <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. Well, and the other thing with that kneeling mindset there, uh, like that visualization of, of thinking about kneeling is it really helps your legs as well. So like a lot of us Western riders in particular, our knees and our toes tend to point outward away from our horses. Um, and so a lot of us tend to want to fix it from the ankle, right? So your knees are still out, but you take the ankle mm-hmm. and try and point your toes forward, but only from the ankle, right? You're just fixing that. And then your ankles get really sore. Um, and I know because I've done that in the past years and years ago <laughs> of trying to fix my toes and bring them in. I'm like, oh, my ankles. Um, but when you think about kneeling, you don't kneel with your knees angled outward, you kneel with your knees forward. And so when you visualize on your horse kneeling, it helps lay the correct part of your thigh on your stirrup leathers and on your saddle so that your 
from the that hip joint down, not just the ankle joint, but from the hip joint down to the knee, down to the ankle, all rotates and, and the thigh lays correctly on the saddle. Um, so that's another really good benefit of thinking about kneeling is just that that leg position. So yeah, exactly. And it's a good way to check your your stirrup links too. So let's talk about stirrup links really quick. So we said before you want your legs to be at about a 45 degree angle at your thigh from from your hip to your knee should be about 45 degree degrees. Um a good way to check that if you're not constantly taking pictures of yourself like me and like figuring out all the angles <laughs> is when you're kneeling is your knee going down to the horse's front foot is it going above the knee or is it going to the knee because you want it to go to the knee if you're if your knee is going to the knee and you think about kneeling down and if you were to be like on that trajectory your knee would land in front of the horse's leg and go through their knee then you're you're good that's a good stirrup length but if you're doing that and your knee is actually below the knee your stirrups are probably too long and you need to raise the stirrups if you can't kneel <laughs> that's also another good sign that they're way too short um so oh gosh because i just i had a client send me a video a couple weeks ago of her riding and she's got a beautiful seat was moving very beautifully but her stirrups were way too short and when we when we took a look at it if we took the trajectory of her knee it would come out just underneath the horse's shoulder versus the knee so just lowering those stirrups made a huge difference in her seat and how she was able to ride going forward into the next session. So just some things to kind of think about when you're on your own horse, as far as stirrup links, because stirrup links, I feel like are, I'm constantly playing with my stirrup links, like, like trying to find the perfect balance. Um, so for a little while, while, uh, over the winter, while Camry and I were dinking around with all this stuff, I really lengthened my stirrups a lot. A lot, a lot, because in my head, I needed to do that to both have a flat foot and to try to get my leg underneath me. This was before I started the kneeling practice, right? But then I found as I as I started to kneel and do that movement and actually get my body in a better position with my thighs in a better position, it was my stirrups were way too long. Like I would just drop my stirrups, like they just fall off, right? So I shortened them a little bit. And then like I said, I, I kind of changed my mind around some of this as well with my first 50 mile race. I did the first 25 miles and it was okay, but by golly, I had some numb feet by the end of that first 25 miles and trying to troubleshoot that. Cause man, it just, it just hurt. And my mentor did some really good, just asked me some really good questions and was just like, well, how does the bottom of your feet feel? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, they're kind of hot. Um, and sore. She's like, yeah, you've got way too much pressure in your stirrup. You need to, you need to shorten your stirrup because you're putting all of that weight in your feet versus in your thighs. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then just by shortening up my stirrup and thinking again, okay, I need to be a little bit more in my thighs. I need to allow my feet to relax. And I think about opening my toes. I tend to, I used to clench my toes to help keep my heel in place, but that was actually counterintuitive to what my foot needed to do and what my upper leg needed to do in my, in my calves. So I think now about spreading my toes and that actually allows my foot to open up and actually lets my calf do its job and lets my foot muscles do their jobs when they clench. Like think about kind of like, if you just do this right now with your toes, what happens with your foot 
when you clench your toes. It gets really, really tough. You end up locking, like right now I can feel it in my Achilles heel. Like, so the, just, just right behind your heel, that tendon is very, very stiff now. I cannot, like, it is very stiff. But if I open my toes, all of a sudden that, that tendon there relaxes. That tendon is really important for that spring action. So by clenching my toes, I've locked up that spring action. By opening them up, I've opened that spring back up so it can move forward as well as not make my foot numb. So I've actually taken out all the length that I put in my stirrups this winter, <laughs> Camry. I have taken it all back out and have actually shortened them and then have been focusing on that. And I've actually found it to be more beneficial. Um, like I've been able to keep my leg back with my feet flatter in the stirrup and not have as much numbness in my feet. And I never once thought that longer stirrups would make my feet numb but they definitely do. And it's because with the longer stirrups, I'm having to press my feet down to really keep that stirrup locked in. So that's something that I found this last couple of weeks that I was like, oh, okay, well, changing my mind around that, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny because it's a little bit different on my end of it because I ended up having my stirrups, they were too short, but when they were too short and I was driving my heels down, then it got my thigh at the right angle. Okay, so it had that part of my leg in the correct position. Now, when I stopped pressing my heels down so far and I leveled them out, I my thigh angle was not correct. So there, that was like, oh, okay, my stirrup length is too short. So for me, I did need to keep them lengthened. Um, and that was just because, you know, that was probably a good three inches mm-hmm. of of length in my leg of Which driving the heel down like, yeah. <laughs> guys my heels or my uh, my ankles are crazy flexible <laughs> um, but I do feel like you could play with it too because for me I actually lengthened mine too much and then went back mm-hmm. um, so I think I went down two holes and then I ended up going back up one um, but taking it down a little bit too much was actually good because it helped get me out of the habit of pushing so hard because I couldn't push so hard because they were further away. And then once I shortened them again, it was a little easier for me to not press. Um, Cause it, I tell you what, it's really hard to get rid of that habit when you've been doing it for as long as I have. <laughs> um, and so to get out of that mindset, it was good for me to over lengthen them and then shorten them again. Um, but that was just kind of my process with it. So yeah, it's just interesting to um to to play with the different lengths and then also I want to put this disclaimer in there too each event is going to have a slightly different um like like you might have to lengthen or um, shorten your stirrups depending on certain events because you know a 50 mile endurance ride most people aren't going to be riding for that long um and so I feel like some events you may want to play with like you know that half hole shorter or a half hole longer depending on what you're doing and you know like a dressage seat is much more lengthened than like a jumping seat um like I feel like the legs are a lot more lengthened in dressage versus jumping so I feel like there's just a little bit there even just between different events and disciplines to to play with and see what works for your particular event 
So, yeah. And I think I'm going to give you just a touch of pushback there as well. Yeah. Cause I think the only events that I can think of where you don't want your leg in the best possible biomechanical position, <laughs> as far as like, you need to be able to get up and out of the saddle would be jockeys and jumpers where I could see you maybe wanting to come up a little bit more, but even with jumpers, like, mm, like I kind of, I'm, I'm not really sure on that one either because you, they still need to have that spring action with them. And if they're too far out of the saddle, they're not going to be able to hold themselves with their thighs as much either, where they're going to be a little bit wobbly when the horse comes down and they need that, those springs to work and they're going to end up banging on their horse's back. Where a jockey is about the only one that I can really think that I'm like, yeah, their stirrups are obviously really, really short and they're like literally standing on their horse's backs, you know? Um, but even if you look at the dressage riders, yes, they've got, they've got that beautiful length and leg, but they're still at that 45 degree angle. They've got the the straight line from their head to their, to their ankles as well. Um, and I, cause I was playing around with this too, cause I worked with a lot of rainers as well. And some of them are like, Oh no, my feet need to be forward to help with that slide. And it's like, well, actually, if you didn't make it about your feet and you made it about your thighs, your horse would actually work a little bit better because you're out of your horse's way quite a bit more. And it, and then the impact comes in with the pommel right? Versus you pressing your feet down as hard as you can into the stirrups, which puts you further back on your horse's back and doesn't allow them to also roll back. I feel like, cause most of the time you do a rollback, right? Or sometimes you do a rollback after, after a really tough turn, you're going to be in your horse's way. You're going to be in their shoulder. You're going to be on their lower back versus balanced and in the saddle. So that, that's my little bit of a pushback there. Cause I have I have thought about that quite a bit with the different disciplines I've worked with. And you know, I, I think if you ride for the best of what your body can biomechanically do, I think that's honestly going to be best for all of us. Like the only other thing I could think of is like your English pleasure, Western pleasure, where they fully want a straight leg. <laughs> that's a little bit different, but then you're only riding like that for 10 minutes when you're in the show ring, right? You're not going to ride like that anywhere else. It's only going to be in the show ring. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I guess to clarify on my point, um, I, I'm thinking more of like playing with like half holes here, right? Mm -hmm. Of like maybe just a little bit shorter for your jumpers versus just that half hole longer for dressage. So I'm not talking like super shortened stirrups or like super lengthened stirrups, but you know, there's going to be some play. It doesn't have to be exactly 45, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of like with um, horse hooves and trimming, you know, we, we guesstimate roughly 45, but it should follow your horse's confirmation, right? So it should follow your horse's pastern angle. So I feel like that's kind of the same thing with your leg is there's just a little bit of play within that 45 where you can have just a little bit less or just a little bit more. So yeah, it's just having that little bit of play, I think, depending on what event you're doing and depending on, you know, do you have a knee injury? Do you have other things in your body or in your horse's body that, you know, slightly longer, or slightly shorter might be beneficial. So I, I think yeah. that was maybe a little bit of a clarification there that I wasn't talking about like crazy short or crazy long stirrup. <laughs> no, no. I think, I think that's a helpful clarification on my end too. Um, cause you're right there. 
there is play like it doesn't have to be exact and you shouldn't be sitting there like measuring yourself like every second <laughs> you mean yeah, um, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. like mark the lines every like get off your horse every five minutes take a, a still shot and <laughs> yeah yeah you don't need to be quite quite to that degree I really do think because if you just follow that line for me, and this is how I thought about it as I've ridden some of the different horses, is as I've thought about that line from my hip through my knee to the horse's knee, because that's going to change too, that that angle, depending on what horse you're riding as well. And I feel like that just helps balance you in whatever horse you're in. I've noticed that like as I've been riding my little short quarter horse and then my thoroughbred and the, or like the thoroughbred I've been riding for these races, it, it is a little bit different depending on the horse's confirmation as well and how I need to hold myself. So I think that is a good clarification there. Awesome. So <laughs> I know there are a lot of, <laughs> don't laugh at me, Kayla. <laughs> so um, I feel like there's a lot of, um, I'm trying to think of what the meme is that talks about, you know, if your knees are sore, your, your stirrups are too short. If your hips are sore, your stirrups are too long. Uh, what are your thoughts on that kind of stuff as far as like soreness being an indicator of stirrup length? I think it's valid. I think it's valid, but I think too, stirrups are the easiest thing to play around with, right? So we're always going to blame it on our stirrups and that's what I've been doing for the longest time. And like, we've talked a little bit about Oh gosh, I don't know. It's been a while since we've talked about it. Um, but this last winter, I ended up with a really bad hip injury and I kept blaming it on my stirrups. Like I just like, ah, as I'm riding, I just fell off. It's not, it's not working right. And the more I rode, the sore I got. And then, then I'd lift at the same time. And it ended up being an injury that I still <laughs> am still recovering from. But what I found is it wasn't the stirrups. It was my saddle itself like the seat in my saddle was actually twisted which was putting me in a funny position so when I'd go on my longer rides it really threw me off and it ended up hurting my hip but also came across and hurt my opposite shoulder and kept my opposite shoulder super tense and tight um but again so it's like yeah like definitely it's a it's an indicator that something's wrong let's put it that way it could be the stirrups and it may not be the stirrups so Play around with the stirrups first because it's the easiest thing to play around with. But if it continues, start looking at other things. Okay, how am I holding myself funny? Because maybe there's a weakness in yourself as well. Because um, for me, I I had shoulder surgery on my right shoulder. What was that, two years ago now, Camry? I think about two years ago. Um, but I still tend to tend to lower it more. Like, Camry, you can see me. Everyone else can't. But you can kind of see how my right shoulder kind of naturally goes down a little bit because my muscles are just, I don't know why exactly, but that's something I've noticed in, in my videos and things is I tend to hold my left shoulder up a little bit more and my right shoulder down. And I think it's just my body's still trying to protect it in some way, but with doing that, it also tilts my hips and makes my hips in a different way. So I've had to actually counterbalance my hips a lot more because, because of that. And I've noticed that Sandy, my mare, get sore in similar areas that I do the longer I ride her. So one thing I was noticing with her, my left hip was getting sore. So was hers. Her left hip was really getting sore as well. And um, I also think her, her left shoulder presented quite a bit of soreness as well. And a little bit more just tense because she was also working really hard to mess around with my counterbalancing act that I was doing 
right? So, so always look at that too. And, and too, like if your horse presents soreness and it's not, it's not like it's more muscular soreness, look at yourself first, I say. Um, because a lot of times, especially if you're riding pretty consistently, you're going to notice that it's actually something in you that's causing the soreness in your horse too. Um, so yes, play with stirrups. I do think shorter stirrups would cause, like if you just think about the angle of your knee, shorter stirrups would cause a little bit of um, aggravation in your knee because you're just putting your knee at a really flexed point and holding it there forever. Um, and lengthened stirrups as far as your hip, like I could see how that would cause some issues. But again, it kind of depends on the individual person. But if you're sore at all, that's your body signal that something's not right. So it's either something in yourself, it could be something in your in your saddle, or it could be something in your horse too. Because your horse, like if they're really off, they could affect your body as well. So just looking at you guys as a whole team and your equipment as part of that team and really just judging all of that from a foundational level and then going up. That was a long-winded answer to your question, Camry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, it actually makes me think of, you know, Chelsea Bowman talks about this a lot mm -hmm. um, with compensation patterns and whether you or your horse are compensating for an injury or for a weakness um, in a certain muscle group and different things um, and how, again, you and your horse are tied together when it comes to compensation because when you're sitting up there, your horse really does mirror what you're doing and and what's happening in your body and any imbalance in you creates imbalance in them or vice versa so um yeah check out you check out your horse um get a video and if you don't know what to look for send it to someone who does send it to someone who like a vet or someone who's a lameness specialist or someone who is a biomechanic specialist um and and just kind of see where those compensation patterns are happening and where the weaknesses are and then start working on those so yeah exactly and for those of you who don't know Chelsea she is an equine chiropractor and human chiropractor that we had on um a little while ago so we'll we'll link to her episode as well you guys can go back and listen to her she's awesome yeah we love Chelsea we, love Chelsea. <laughs> we will have her back on too at some point <laughs> yes um awesome I think we covered yeah. most of it here with the with the kind of heels down um and stirrup length myths <laughs> right <laughs> guys just play around too like like we've been saying play around figure out what works for you but also be willing to be uncomfortable for a couple of weeks and really try to change things it's it's just like starting a new exercise program it's going to be uncomfortable for a minute and then your body's going to get used to it and then it's going to be like how did I never not do this before <laughs> right yeah so just just be okay with being uncomfortable for a little bit and, and trying all these different things out yeah because change is hard and your body's like what and your muscles have to work in slightly different ways when you change things and but then yeah give your body time to adjust to that and then decide if you want to change it again, change it back to where it was, shorten them, lengthen them again, um, and go from there. But yeah, it takes time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week. <laughs>